0: The scripture that my husband is going to preach from today. If you'd like to turn to Isaiah, and it is chapter 33, book of Isaiah, chapter 33, and reading from verse 6 Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. And the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. And if you'd like to turn to the Gospel of Luke, reading from chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, reading from verse 4. And I say to you, my friends... Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Amen. Amen.
1: Well, who was here on Friday night? You were blessed? Yes. You were blessed. We've got lots of testimonies already that... Uh, even now, God, when everything too late, has done what only He can do. He's healed and touched, changed many situations for people. So we give God thanks because He's working in our midst and we never take it for granted. <clears throat> but I, I re- read this passage today because I believe, and I believe it's obvious, that we are living in increasingly unstable times. And it's only going to get worse because the Word of God says, Hebrews chapter 12, before Christ returns, God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And I believe God is. God is. The purpose of the shaking is that those people, God's desire is that none perish, but the people who are trusting in the worldly things, like their money and their. God has to show people that those things are ultimately untrustworthy. And he says, in the midst of the shaking, I'll have a people, kingdom people, who are unshakable. But we are living in days, it's just important to know that the days are going to become, I believe, more and more unstable. In fact, I believe it's, it's already happening now. You, you can't tell where we're going to be in 90 days. You can't tell if there's another lockdown coming. You can't tell if there's another disease that's coming. You can't tell if you're going to do this. You can't tell if the economy is going to collapse. You can't tell if China's going to invade. There are so many things that we're facing now that we weren't facing in 2019. Everything is rocking. Father God, as I come today, Lord, it's no use that I speak. You have to speak through your servant. Father God, I ask that your anointing will come upon me right now. And that, Father God, this word will penetrate into the places that it needs to penetrate. It will correct. It will encourage. It will exhort. It will heal. I thank you, Father God. The entrance of your word brings light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you know, when things start rocking, when things start rocking... You and I need, and actually God has promised, a stabilizing influence. He, he will have a people, when everything else is rocking and everyone else is shaken, he will have a people who stand there and say, I'm not sweating it because I know my God. You know, my, my phone has a thing in it, uh, it, it when it takes videos. Everything can be bouncing. But the picture is stable. Even in modern airplanes, I'm just thinking, you know, modern airplanes, they hit turbulence, but they've got something in them called a stabilizer, which means every time it goes through turbulence, the plane automatically returns to the equilibrium. And God says that you may go through confusion. You may experience injustice. Your boat may be rocking, but God promises you stability. He promises there will be a people who actually, other people look at and say, how come they're not rocking? How come they still have peace? How come they're unmoved? How come they're not quaking or what everyone else is quaking about? And here this passage says, actually, Isaiah is writing to the people of Israel, and they're about to come under a time of judgment. Verse 10 speaks about impending judgment on Zion. And the Western world, I believe, is already under judgment, but there may be more judgment coming because of all the wickedness, all the same-sex, all the things we embrace which God detests. And God says, but even when God, the world, is being shaken by the judgment of God, my people are distinct, we are peculiar, we are a witness because we are stable through all things. And he says that the Assyrians are about to come and bring a judgment of God upon Israel. God had called out many, many, many times to them, but they ignored God. And sooner or later, uh, God will not be mocked, his word, he means what he says, he says what he means. And so after many, many hundreds of years of warning, he sent the Assyrians, to chasten Israel. But he said to the people, the true people of God, he said, even when the Assyrians come and wipe out the city, you're going to be stable. And he says, here's the key. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high, verse 5. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So God says, when everything's rocking, you are going to be stable because of the stabilizing effect of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time. And God wants to impart to his people the same stabilizing factor. His wisdom and knowledge so that we are never rocked and when I speak about wisdom it's very important to know there is a distinction of great distinction with what the world would consider wisdom and what the wisdom of God is. The world's wisdom James actually says in James 3.16-18 he says two types of wisdom the world's wisdom is in fact earthly sensual it comes from the senses and he says the root of it is demonic And and the world's wisdom, which is not God's wisdom, is largely to do, the world would consider someone wise if they are highly educated. You know, you've got lots of degrees and all the rest of it. But I want to tell you, most of the problems in the world today are actually caused by that type of person. Highly educated fools. The Bible would call them fools. Because they're highly educated, up to the eyeballs. But they're completely unscrupulous. And they completely ignore the word of God. And God says, they're fools. But the wisdom of God, we've got to understand what it is. Because it is completely different to what the world says wisdom is. And we need to understand it so that we can be that unrockable Christian. You know how much you need wisdom... One sixth of the Bible is devoted to the subject. Book of Job, all the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Sol Solomon, all devoted to the subject of wisdom. And that's why the Word of God says, with all you're getting, get wisdom and understanding. Because it's gone, what's one, what's, you know, your job's not going to keep you stable. Your spouse isn't going to keep you stable. When everything's When God pulls the rug out, and he's going to continue to pull the rug out, only the things of God are going to keep you stable, and it is wisdom. If you turn to Job chapter 28, Job deals with the subject of wisdom, and I'll just read to you from verse 20. From when then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Now, that word understanding actually it refers to insight and God wants to give his people you know when you have a problem insight means that you can look at the situation differently you actually have insight into the nature of the person you're dealing with insight into the very nature the heart of the circumstance you're dealing with that's what insight is Where is the place of understanding and insight? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it indeed. He searched it out and to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord that is wisdom and depart from evil is understanding. So from here you actually see that verse 21 it is hidden wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? It is hidden from the eyes of all that means it is not something you perceive with your natural senses. It is not does not come from the natural world. Wisdom is not learned from the senses and it doesn't come from this world. The wisdom of God. Then he, then he goes on to speak about uh, wisdom is, has a moral foundation. To depart from evil is understanding. So anyone who is wise, anyone who is, you know the evidence that they are wise is that they know, like Joseph, to depart from evil when it comes. If they don't know that, they've got no wisdom. And he says, you know, the, the storm, speaks about the storms. He says, he looks to the earth, sees the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind, and apportions the waters by measures. And he made a law for the rain and a path for a thunderbolt. And he's saying that all the natural, all the universal laws that we have relating to rain and wind and thunder, he says, all that was created. He saw wisdom and declared it. All came from the wisdom of God. Creation, you look at it, it's the result of the wisdom of God. The way the weather systems work, they're the result of the wisdom of God. Now, I just said, wisdom doesn't come from the natural mind. It doesn't come from your senses. Where does it come from? David in Psalm 51, 6, is a psalm about a broken man who had been, there's only two types of people in the Bible. They were the wise and the foolish. And David had played with sin. He thought he's the, he was so blessed by God he could do anything. And then he had this affair with this woman and his whole world crumbled down. He'd been foolish and he realized he'd been foolish. And in Psalm 51, we have the prayer of a broken and contrite man. And in order for his life to be restored, he knows he's been a fool. And he knows that he needs to get the wisdom of God back in his life. And in Psalm 51, six, he says, this broken and contrite man, he says, Lord, make me to know wisdom in the hidden part. Lord, m- Lord you make me to know wisdom in the hidden part. Where's the hidden part? It is in the spirit of a man. It is not in your mind. It is in the spirit of a man. And it is imparted to your spirit by God. There is wisdom that comes from another world. It is imparted into your spirit. And then it informs your mind. And then you can solve complex situations. That's what God wants. And that's what's going to be the stability of your time. And you can see it. There's a man called Solomon in the scriptures. Who's known for his wisdom. Or actually if you go to uh, Exodus. Even better, there's a man called Be- Bezalel. Now, you are got to see how, how this doesn't come from the mind. This wisdom doesn't come from the human mind. It's not something that is learned. Now, Israel had been in captivity, in bondage, for 440 years. And all they'd known in 440 years was to make bricks. That's all they did. Everyone was a brickmaker. And they were slaves and they were servants in the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. And then as they were set free... Moses went out the mountain to meet with God, and God gave Moses these intricate, complex instructions of how to build a a tabernacle. And he says, you've got to make, where is it, lampstands, like over there, lampstands. And you've got to make lavers and these complex things that they had no idea, intricate, complex little things, garments, things of metal that they had never made before. No one had any skill to do that. And how did God get it done? It says, Moses said to to Israel in, in Exodus 35, verse 30, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Ur, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding. Verse 36, verse 1, Bezalel, and all the gifted artisans in whom the Lord has put wisdom, An understanding to know how to do all manner of work. So these people who had no idea how to to build a labor or make a candle lamp stand. God imparted the know-how that came from another dimension, from another world, from heaven. He imparted it into their spirit that they could be creative and have know-how. You're going to need to be creative to solve problems in the future. You're going to have to know how. Solve problems. And the Holy Spirit will impart it into your spirit. And people say, man, you're a, you're a solution solver. Because you have the wisdom of God. There's another man called Solomon in 2 Kings 3 in the scriptures. You see this as a story. And it's a real story of of two women. They're living in the same house. And they had children. And one woman rolled over on her baby and smothered the baby at night. And then in the night, before the other woman woke, she wrote and she got this other newborn and she brought it into her bed. And then this dispute arose over whose child, who, who, who possessed that child, who was the real mother of the child. And they went to Solomon, this man who had wisdom. And he said to them, he said, they came in, they said, like, this, this is, the baby's mine. And the other lady says, no, it's mine. And none of the court, courtiers knew, knew, knew who really was the mother. And so Solomon said, as he was hearing the dispute, he said, bring me a sword and I'll cut it in two. Give you half and give you half. And the real mother said, don't cut it. Just give it to her. And Solomon said, you are the mother, give her the child. And so when you have the wisdom of God, you're not only creative, but you're able to administer God's justice and solve complex problems. You know, you've got to do that in your home. You've got to do that in your home, with your family. But there's going to be times where you need to solve complex problems. And God can impart to you knowledge, how to solve it, instructions that are not of this world. He just imparts them into your spirit. And that's what's going to provide stability for you. It's going to provide stability when everything else is shaken when everything else is shaking the wisdom of God that comes from another world will be imparted to you now God wants to impart that to you but if we go back to uh, Job uh, 28 when it speaks about this wisdom It says, hidden from the natural senses. It is evidence in creation. Gives us understanding. And David tells us it is, God is is, is imparted to us in our hidden parts. And God wants you to have, he doesn't want you just to know about the stories of Bezalel. He wants you to have a supernatural, an extraordinary creative capacity to you. It doesn't matter if people say you're a creative person by personality or not. God wants to impart that to you. And he wants to impart an ability to you, via the Holy Spirit, to solve complex problems. We all have complex problems. But problems, everyone has them. But when we have the wisdom of God, those problems don't remain. We can get through them. And God wants to, to, to us to be a people who are, who are that's, we're distinct, we are peculiar from other people. This isn't just stories, but we actually, the, the wisdom of God is manifest in our life. But I wanted you to say, he, Job tells us, he says, listen, he said, he saw wisdom and declared it. And to man, verse 28, he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. What he's saying is that if you are to have the fear of the if you are to have the wisdom of God this creative ability of God ability to solve the wisdom of God that comes from another world there is only one channel which God can impart it God who is spirit into your spirit there is only one there's not two channels it doesn't go to your mind God imparts Wisdom through the Spirit. And the only channel is the fear of God. Only, the only way you can possess it is if you fear God. And I believe we're in a time and a season where there is not much wisdom of God demonstrated in this world. But, and, and even in the, the, I would say, the Western church, we have a... Uh, we have kind of a, a famine of biblical wisdom. And the reason is this Isaiah 29 says this. I just told you, the only way to get it is the fear of the Lord. Isaiah 29 says this He says, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. So what he's actually saying is that God could not get wisdom into Israel at this time. He wanted to impart it to them, but he couldn't get it to them because the preachers and the teachers were teaching a false fear of God. They were preaching a diluted fear of God, an unbiblical, deceptive notion of the fear of God. And they diluted the word of God to keep the people comfortable, to keep the people unoffended. And I believe today we have got the same situation in the Western church, that we don't want to offend people. We want to keep people comfortable. And so we have only presented to them the love of God, the goodness of God. God wants to make you a world shaker. And we've ended up with a pseudo church without a cross, a pseudo church without repentance, a pseudo church without the fear of God, where God is our permissible buddy. And he's been tamed. We've we've actually tamed God. So he's become this non-threatening entity who only exists to bless and prosper me? Well, let me just remind you of something. I this I don't, I don't preach fear, but I just want to remind you of the truth of the God. This same God, the Bible calls him the Consuming Fire, wiped out once all of humanity except one man called Noah and his family. He did. Same God opened the Red Sea and swallowed an entire army. Same God rained down fire and brimstone and destroyed everyone, male, child, animal, in a wicked city. Same God destroyed the two sons of Israel's priests because they offered strange fire. Same God opened the ground and swallowed up Korah and everyone else in rebellion against Moses. This is the same God. You have to know that. That God has another side. He is love. He is good. But he's also a consuming fire. He is a holy God. You say, oh, pastor, you preach in the Old Testament. Someone must have sent an email, forgot the email to Ananias and Sophia, because in the New Testament, they did a little bit of hypocrisy in the church, and God destroyed them. And I believe, if the church, we talk about revival and we talk about, you know, a great awakening. But there can be no awakening until the church actually returns to the fear of God, which is, it means it is the main part of wisdom. And if you want to talk about revival, the, the, the greatest example and the greatest model we have in the, in the, in the Bible of true revival is not a contemporary church. It's not a, a movement. It is the book of Acts. That's what revival looks at. And the Bible says the main feature of why the church of the book in the church of Acts was edified and multiplied. Two things. Acts 9.31 says they were edified and multiplied because they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of God. And the fear of God. And the two go together. The two go together. It's like there is a narrow path that gets you to your destiny. On one side of it is the love of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So if you sin, you know he's loving father that restores and forgives quickly. As soon as you repent. But on the other side, you have the fear of God. That God is a consuming fire. That's what stops you from sinning in the first place. And so, Job says, this wisdom... That we need. He said, the fear of God is the channel. It's the main part. It's the only way to get it. Now, if you have the fear of God, I want to tell you something. My wife began by reading Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, (laughs) Jesus' teaching saying, I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid. Of those who kill the body and have no more that they can do but I will show you whom you should fear fear him who after he is killed has power to cast you into hell yes I say to you fear him that means that the fear of God involves this knowledge that at the end of everybody's life there are only two possibilities not many there's two possibilities there's not uh, Nirvana there is not uh, purgatory there is heaven Or there is hell. Only two. And there is only one person who is going to determine which place you go to. And that is God. That is God. Everybody is going to stand before. He's going to say, that way or that way. That's God. So the fear of God is to know about heaven and hell. And you can't have fear of God in the church that won't speak about hell. There is a hell. It's an awful place. It wasn't made for people. It was made for the devil. Made for demons. But if you don't want God, that's where you end up. And he says, he says that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of the fear of God. But then God, then Jesus goes on in the same place and he speaks about something else that seems unrelated. This is what it says. It says, After he says, he said, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore you have more value than many sparrows. What does that mean? It means that if you really do fear God, if you really do fear God, you know, yes, he's loved, but he's also a consuming fire. He is holy. He doesn't mess around with sin. He means what he says, and he says what he says. He is the same God today who opened up the, the ground and swallowed Korah and all the rebellion. He is the same yesterday, today. If you fear God like that, this Bible says you will fear nothing else. I'm not... F- five sparrows off for two copper coins. Not one of them is a button for God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. Basically, that means that basically God knows those who fear him. And God knows those who fear him so intimately, so intricately, that he watches over them and he makes sure that all their needs are met. You you become precious to God when you fear him. And all the goodness... And all his favor and blessing flows only to those who fear him. Psalm 112 speaks, this is why you won't be shaken if you have the the fear of God which brings wisdom into your life. Psalm 112 says, says you'll fear nothing. He says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. That's why you're going to be stable. And the generation of the upright will be blessed. Goes on to say, wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness Jews forever. So in other words, your family is going to be stable. Your descendants will be mighty. And your finances are going to be stable if you fear God. Unto the upright, the unshaken, there arises light in darkness. Goes on and says, verse 6, surely those who fear God will never be shaken. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. So you fear God? God says, when you fear him, he reveals himself to you. And he starts to care for you. Starts to watch over you. Starts to look after your descendants. And it's real, it's tangible. Starts to look after your finances. Starts to guide your life. How does he do that? Well, he imparts wisdom because you fear God in the area of Raising your family. He imparts wisdom in the area of your financial world. He imparts wisdom to you so you know which way to go. But you get that wisdom through the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the only way. It is the only way. It's the only channel God has to the wisdom which is going to rock your world when everything else is shaking. You know, the Bible says in Psalm twenty-five, fourteen. also, you know, today, many people, I just say, they're, they're trying to attain wisdom and trying to appear wise before other people by getting on the internet and reading all these stories, about, and they come and tell you about the coronavirus and the economy, about what's really going on. And they say, there is a cabal that's behind all this and they're doing this and doing that. And you're meant to respect them because they know what's really, they know the secrets of the Illuminati. Let me tell you, it's all nonsense. But there are secrets to what's going on. There is secret knowledge. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen says this. You can read it yourself. What does it say? Read it out. The secrets of the Lord are with those who fear Him. So if you fear God, God actually downloads to you what is really going on. God downloads to you by the Holy Spirit the things that are not only happening, but the things that are to come. And you know, I I tell you how, and I believe there's a prophetic picture here, is that in Acts chapter 27, when you have wisdom, when God imparts wisdom to you by the Holy Spirit, it can come through just you just knowing your knower what to do with your family. I didn't know it yesterday, but God's just revealed what I should do. Here you know and you know what you do with your finances because God's told me, God's shown me. Many, many years ago, my wife will tell me, God was actually telling me to buy gold at $350 an ounce. That was God rocking my financial world. In Acts chapter 27, I just believe this is a prophetic picture of the wisdom, the effective wisdom that God is going to use in his body in the last days because when you fear God When you fear God, God will impart the wisdom to be creative He'll impart the wisdom for your finances. He'll create the wisdom for your family He'll impart the wisdom that you need to solve complex problems But he will also sometimes impart to you what the Word of God speaks Uh, It's a spiritual gift called a word of wisdom and a word of wisdom You just know in your Noah from heaven what's going to happen down the track. And when you have a word of wisdom, you can proclaim it to prepare people for for the future or to save them from dangerous situations. In Acts chapter 27, we have Paul. he's, He's in amongst the people who... He's on a ship and he's on the way to Rome. And he's on the way to Rome and... The people on the ship, basically who own the ship, they're, they're money lovers, right? Because there's a lot of money in trading slaves and delivering slaves in those days, and they're, they're heading towards Rome, and they're on this journey. and Paul says, he says, men, in verse ten, he says, I perceive this this journey that you're on is going to end in disaster. That's a word of wisdom. And he's saying, and I believe it's a prophetic picture here, that, that we can say to the world, you, you, we're going to be saying to the world, the way you're going, the, way you, the things you're chasing, the things you're living for, it's going to end in disaster. Right? This is a, a word of wisdom to the world. You know, you're chasing selfishness. You're just chasing personal ambition. You're chasing just material pr- prosperity. It's going to end in disaster. And Paul says that, Right? And for a season, it seems to go all right for them. And when Paul is speaking this word of wisdom, they want to put the word of God away. So they put him under the deck. They put the word of God, they just put it below. I don't want to hear about it. This is a season we've been in. But then they kept sailing. And then (coughs) this storm hit them. That was, They became exceedingly tossed. And a great storm arose. And then they started to chuck everything overboard. That was, that, the anchors that res, re, kind of represents all human attempts to save themselves. Just chuck it all overboard. And then everything started to sink. Everything started to sink. And when everything started to sink, they turned around and said, Where's that man? Who had the Word of God. Go and get that man. Go and get him because everything's sinking and we don't know what to do. I believe people who have the wisdom of God on their life are gonna be like that in this season. I believe we're gonna be in a season where a lot of the things that people trust are just gonna be sinking. And you've been put away for a while. People don't want to hear what you've got to say. You've been speaking a warning. But very, very soon, people are going to see that what you know and what you say is real. And they're going to come and they're going to say, Come to what, what were you saying? And what is your reason for hope? What was that word you were speaking? That's the power of a word of wisdom. And, and I believe this is a prophetic picture of the future. And, and God allows this crisis, you know, on, in the Acts chapter 27, he allows this crisis, everything to sink, so that people return to him. So people return to the word of God. And I believe our society is, a it, reason it's the foundations, that we've, we've left the word of God. But I believe there is a move of God coming where people are going to come and say, they're going to look, when everything's falling apart, they're going to look for someone who told them the truth. They're going to look for the person who says, you told me not to take this journey. You told me not to live for money. You told me it'd all fall apart. You told me down the track it'd all go pear-shaped. And they're going to come again and want to know the things of God. And you know what Paul did? He told them all the way to be saved. That's the effect of a word of wisdom. And I, I, I believe, I believe, God not only wants to use wisdom to rock your world, but he wants to use wisdom, a word of wisdom, to save and to preserve others. Bring other people back to God. What's the evidence? You know, I just said there's only one channel. There is only one channel to get this the, the, the wisdom of God. It's, it's, the, it's the fear of God. What is the evidence that I fear God? Well, I said, the I said first thing is, Job said in Job 28, wisdom and understanding is to depart from evil. So the first thing about you, if you actually have the fear of God, the first thing is, you do not, you do not play with sin, and the church needs to hear this because I read somewhere the other day, sixty-three percent of men, both in the church and out of the church, will view pornography once a year, and thirty-six percent will view it once, once a month. So, if you actually are in that place, you got to say, "Don't, don't, don't do not." You say, "I don't have the fear of God," because you don't. You don't have the fear of God. You don't justify. You just Admit it, I don't fear God if I'm stuck in that place. And so important because, you know, the devil is the same devil. And, you know, in fear of God made Joseph wise and wisdom enabled him to get to his destiny in God. So he got to his destiny, but, you know, there's another man who had a destiny and he never achieved, he never attained his destiny in God. He was called to be a deliverer of Israel, but all he ever knew was temporary victories. He never became the deliverer of Israel. His name was Samson. And Satan sent the two destroyers, the same destroyer at the two men. And it was sexual temptation. One just played with it. He thought, I can, I can, I can have a, this, this woman, Delilah, who was an adulteress. I can have her around for a bit. I can play with her for a bit. And she ended up destroying his life. And he lost his destiny. Joseph, as soon as evil come, he departed from it. He fled. So someone who has the fear of God on their life departs from evil. That's how you know you fear God. And and the reason you fear God, the reason you depart from evil, is that Psalm 62 says this. uh, This is the one God looks on. He who trembles... his word and Psalm 112 which I just read about all the blessings that come through the fear of God Psalm 112 says this it said blessed is the man who fears the Lord who delights in his commandments so if you're someone who fears God you depart from it but you also delight in the word why do you delight in the word I tell you why delight in the word because you know God means what he says and says what he means And you know that God God is so awesome. This is the fear of God. God is so awesome that he overlooks nothing, nothing. And every time you obey this word, he blesses you. And every time you disobey, you come under the curse. Or you, you, you may say, well, Jesus delivered us from the curse. But you don't live in the blessing of God. So you look at this book and you say, I, I, I fear God because he's so awesome that he sees every part of my life that is in obedience to this and every aspect where I obey him sooner or later he blesses me. And the, ob- the absolute opposite is true as well. If I walk in disobedience there's no way I'm going to be blessed. There is no chance I'm going to be blessed because God exalts his word. So, someone who fears God is someone who trembles at this word. Just you tremble at the capacity and the potential in this book. When my life gets lined up with it, I come into a super blessed state with God. Two Corinthians seven seven one says this. Two Corinthians seven, 7 in two Corinthians six, it's one of the most amazing promises in the Bible. God says, uh, at the end of 2 Corinthians 6, he says in verse 18, I'll be a father to you and you shall be my sons. What a beautiful, one of the greatest promises in the world is when God says, I'll be a father to you. And then verse 7 speaks about the response we should have to the fact that we are sons and he is our father. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So if you are somebody who, is, who fears God... You will depart from evil when it comes. Temptation. You will tremble at his word. But also, the aim of your life, it's not prosperity. It's not blessing. It is holiness. That's what you're after. You're after that state of righteousness and holiness before God. That's what you're chasing. That's what's important to you. I, I, I believe... That we will see, some people disagree, but I believe we are going to see a tremendous outpouring in the coming days. I believe that God is going to get his church back into a state. Uh, just an extraordinary state where someone said today, that Gordon read out that there's going to be an outpouring where my sons and daughters will prophesy. That the, the same things that we saw in the early days of the church. the The edification, people growing up, the multiplication, people coming into the church because they know simply that God is there. I believe that God is going to pour his spirit out on the church again. But I believe the key to that outpouring is the fear of God. The fear of God returning into the church and when only when the fear of god comes back into the church will the church be a place full of wise people who say it don't matter what's happening out there my world is rocked i may be even confused but i'm stable i may be persecuted experiencing injustice but i'm stable I may be in a tremendous storm that would take other, but I'm stable. There is something flowing into my system. It is a Spirit of God that is giving me a wisdom to know where to go, who is with me, why I'm not going to sink, why I don't need to be afraid, how much God loves me, how much he's got for me. There is something flowing to me that is real. It is the wisdom and understanding of God. But I won't say he wants to give it to everybody, but there's only one challenge. It's not learned, it doesn't come through education, it comes through the fear of the Lord. It is the main part of wisdom. Do you fear him? I just, I, I, this is, sounds pretty heavy today, but I'm not really a heavy preacher. But sometimes God makes it heavy, and we're not afraid of heaviness. But I just want to say to you, if you're someone here today, that you say, I, when temptation comes, I play with it. I just want to say quickly, God has a tremendous destiny for each and every. A tremendous plan, but you'll never get there like that. God has to do something new in you. He has to deliver you from that, so that you become someone who flees like Joseph. If you need to have a work of God, Come forward. Don't, no one's going to pray for you. Just come forward to God. If you are somebody who, the Bible says, he who fears the Lord delights in my commandments. are you someone who, I tell you, there's a, there's a work God's doing today. He's drawing his people back to the Word of God. But if you're somebody, he's drawing us deep back into the Word. But if you're somebody who doesn't read this, you spend all your life on your phone, God has to do something fresh in you. You do, you're not in the fear of God. Just be a perfectly good friend. If you don't read this book, you don't tremble at its potential to change your life completely when you get in line with it. You don't have the fear of God in you. You may be a nice person. People might say nice things, but you don't have the fear of God. You need to get God to do something fresh in you to birth in you a fresh love and a hunger to delight in His Word. Amen. And if you're somebody whose game goal in life you know, some people have been brought into a, into a gospel where the goal of their life is to prosper. Well, that's not the answer either. The goal is righteousness and holiness. All the promises surround holiness and righteousness. So if your goal is not 2 Corinthians 7.1, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord, holiness is not the thing to you then you need God to do something fresh in you as well because when we fear him when we revere him and we know God is completely loving towards his children but he means what he says he says what he means and he is a consuming fire his holiness His holiness brings blessing on obedience and it brings judgment on disobedience. Never changes. Stable. The ability to come back to equilibrium when there's rubbish going on in your house. The ability to stay upright when everybody else is falling. God wants to put it in you through the fear of the Lord. He wants to rock your world. You're getting good. I don't have to tell you anymore. If you if you need to do business with God today, you do. Don't worry about anyone else in this room. But I believe today is a really it's a really important message uh, because I believe the world is going to be shaking and rocking and and it's going to become less and less stable. You know what's becoming less and less stable? Psalm 11.3 says, When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations, the Word of God in relation to marriage, has been destroyed. It's been removed from our nation. So things are going to get more and more unstable. It's certain. But you're not. You're not. God promises you wisdom and knowledge through the fear of the Lord. Stand up and praise Him. Stand up and bless Him. If you need God to do something new, you just come into God. Just say to God today, God, I, I don't care about men, but I want you to do something new. I need you to do something new in my world. I need you to do something new in my life. I need to go further. I need the fear of God, the real fear of God. Just come. God's. God. No one needs to lay hands. If you just say to God, I want you to do, do something new. God will do it. God sees your heart. God sees your humility. He's going to honor it.
0: Praise Him and bless Him. Talk to you.